0: Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein and I have the privilege of being your host coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and related to Israel and give you a window to look through about aspects of life here in Israel that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topics, any or visit us at genesis123.co. Also, please don't forget to share this with people who you know who will find it of interest. Today, I'm especially pleased to introduce a good friend and a topic that I think every one of us, Jews and Christians together, will find uh, meaningful, important, and inspiring, especially this week. Rabbi Pesach Walicki serves as the executive director of Or Torah Stone's Center for Jewish-Christian Understanding and Cooperation. He also works as an academic consultant and lecturer for the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Rabbi Willicki is a leading voice for Jewish-Christian relations and is a frequent contributor on American Family Radio's Mideast Report. He also hosts the Shoulder-to-Shoulder Shoulder podcast with Pastor Doug Reed and is the author of the book, Cup of Salvation, a devotional study of Psalms 113-118. through 118. Rabbi Wolicki lives with his wife, Kate, and their eight children in Beit Shemesh here in Israel. Now, I want to say that when I asked Rabbi Wolicki for his bio, I was impressed with how unimpressive it was, not because what he's done and what he does is not insignificant. It's very much so. In fact, as understated as his bio is, his career is equally impressive. Rabbi Wolicki has joined me on previous inspiration from Zion webinars, particularly a fascinating conversation about the significance of Passover as it relates to Christians from a Jewish perspective. I'm very excited to have him back, but for his first time on the Inspiration from Zion podcast and our Ask the Rabbi segment. Rabbi Wolicki, welcome, and it's really wonderful to have you back on Inspiration from Zion.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's great to be with you. I'm honored to be part of this
0: well we're we're honored back and and i'm always always love getting together and this is virtual and i hope that our listeners will will enjoy following as well um as, as the american holiday thanksgiving is upon us uh, i want to engage in a conversation about giving thanks from a biblical and traditional jewish perspective so i actually thought of this whether people are it's a busy week for americans getting to and from cooking preparing um, so I'm not sure how many people will actually listen to the podcast this week, but I want to suggest that whether you're cooking or driving or flying to visit relatives or just want to get away from the creepy uncle who's sitting across the table, <laughs> um, I hope that people will make time and listen to this uh to this podcast. Now, I, I want to start off with something personal. My mother always used to say to me that she never thought Mother's Day was very significant. In fact, she didn't like Mother's Day at all because the implication was that the other 364 days of the year appreciating one's mother wasn't really as important. Um, of course, that's not the case. And that's a whole separate conversation about how we honor our parents uh, in Judaism. But my sense is the same with Thanksgiving, is that both as a holiday and as a verb, it's nice to have one day to pause and especially thank, uh, be thankful for everything we have, including our extended family. But if, but being thankful only one day a year really isn't enough. Um, and, and there's not there's so many things that we need to be thankful for, for the blessings that we have in our lives, for our extended family, and certainly for God. Um, Rabbi Will- Willicky, what do you think in terms of whether it's good enough to be thankful one day a week and how Thanksgiving plays into that? Well, obviously we need to be thankful at all times. You know, in, in
1: Jewish daily prayer, we pray three times a day. And, you know, we, the centerpiece of each of our three times a day daily prayers is what's called the Amida, which is, it's the climax of the whole prayer service, of the whole liturgy, where we stand up and every single person silently uh, meditates upon and reads these 19 uh, blessings, 19 essentially praises and requests of God where we lay out all of our priorities, whether it's healing or redemption or, or, or you know, forgiveness, uh, you know, seeking justice in the world, seeking peace. And the longest of all of those blessings, I mean, if you look at the text, just simply the liturgy of it, the longest of all of the 19 blessings that we recite every day is the blessing of thanks, the blessing that begins, nach we are grateful to you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I'm sure you know this prayer by heart. We say it three times a day, but that is the longest of all the blessings in the 19. And that to me says something that, uh, you know, the liturgy is so tightly written. Every word is so carefully, so carefully chosen by our sages. And when it came to thanks, they kind of, I wouldn't say they went overboard, but they made a point of devoting more text, more words of thanks than words of, of any of the requests or any of the other praises. So, you know, obviously, thanks is something that we need to do on a daily basis. At the same time, I'm going to push back a little bit. I like having days where we focus on something, even if it's something we're supposed to do all year. And I'll give you another example. In the Bible, it says explicitly that we're supposed to remember the day of the exodus of Egypt all the days of our life. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, we do. Again, part of our daily uh, devotions, our daily prayers that Jews say. We do mention the exodus from Egypt and we mention it in our grace after meals, probably yep. half a dozen times a day. At least we mention the exodus from Egypt, which might seem excessive to people to talk about an event that took place 3,300 years ago all day long. But, you know, that's <laughs> Jews got to get used to us. You know, <laughs> we are kind of into history as a mindset. However, even though it's a it's a something that we should do every day. There's one day a year where it's a heavy focus, where we have the Passover Seder and we tell the entire story and we we act out certain parts of it and we eat and we eat what they ate at the time of the exodus. And we focus more heavily and we have a whole meal and a whole a whole festival devoted to the exodus from Egypt. That's not because. That's the only day of the year we talk about the exodus from Egypt. It's important to have those special days where we have extra focus on it. So if I'm calling home and saying, hi, mom, thanks, mom. I love you, mom, all year long. That's nice. But I disagree with your mom. Mother's Day, it's good to have a day where even though we're expressing uh, our appreciation to our moms all year long, to have one day where we really focus on it. We dedicate a day to that. And the same thing is true of thanks. So I'm... i, I I think that Thanksgiving, that having a day that is focused on giving thanks to the Lord for all the blessings that we've received, is well in place
0: at the same time as we're supposed to be thanking God every day of the year. So that's that's a great perspective, and I'm not disagreeing with it, but what's interesting about Thanksgiving, and I love how you brought in uh, how, how we're also remembering the Exodus from Egypt on a daily basis, but certainly the penultimate day is Passover. Um, but Thanksgiving is not a particularly religious holiday. There's no there. Uh, 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 a great, great analogy with Passover and the Seder. The Seder is t- is telling the story, but it's also a meal and a scripted meal. Thanksgiving, yeah, sure. There are there are particular family traditions as to what you're going to eat. Uh, Jews probably aren't doing the ham so much, but the but but turkey and stuffing and and, and some amazing kinds of pies and 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 these family recipes that are that are going down uh from from generation to generation and and they're cultural uh, but but because it's not a religious holiday and you just said on a specific day on which we give thanks to god do we risk loo- losing the significance of what we're giving thanks for if it's only a meal and if it's a, a, with with the name thanks in it well
1: Let's separate religious, uh, in ter- meaning like sectarian Christian, Jewish, okay. whatever, versus faith. Because uh, I'll agree with you, it's not a religious holiday. Meaning, it's not a Christian holiday. It's not a Jewish holiday. It's not a. a it's an American holiday, but that doesn't mean that it's not a holiday based on faith. Now, surely today many. Uh, professed atheists and secularists who who don't particularly think about or talk about God very much or live biblical lives still celebrate Thanksgiving. And I'm sure they express some sort of thanks to whoever, Mother Nature, you know, I, I don't know, the economy. I, I don't know what they're expressing thanks to exactly, each other maybe, um, or their ancestors. But certainly, Those who founded this day, who declared this day, and the vast majority Ah, of Americans throughout history viewed it as a day to give thanks to God for the bounty of the United States of America. Now, let me add in. It's very interesting. Thank God it is not a Christian holiday. And I say that as a Jew. There's a fascinating responsum. Uh, The greatest Jewish legal authority, the greatest rabbi uh, in America in the 20th century, who really set a lot of the practice for the, for the Jewish community of faith throughout the, t- throughout the 20th century was Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, uh, who of course is a household name to people like you and me. Um, and our listeners, our Christian listeners should understand that for Jews, you know, we have different kinds of rabbis. There's rabbis who are more inspirational, rabbis who are more teachers, rabbis who are involved in, in you know, certifying kosher food. And there are, at the top of the heap, really, in terms of uh, prominence in our communities, are rabbis who make rulings for the community. Because as we all know, the stereotype is true. We're legalistic. We have these legal scholars, these rabbis, who are the decisors, who make rules for us. And coming to the new world, to the United States of America, and with new technologies in the 20th century, there was a lot of new questions in Jewish law that came up in the 20th century. And, and there was no greater... Jewish legal authority uh, than in the 20th century than Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And he was asked, is it okay for Jews, for Jews of faith, to participate in the traditional celebration of Thanksgiving, having the turkey dinner, the whole thing? He was asked that question. And let me also explain to our Christian listeners who might think that's a strange thing to even ask where it's coming from. There is a longstanding, uh, more than culture, but a long-standing. Tradition among Jews that we don't participate in the festivals of other religions that should make sense to people that it's taboo we're Jews, we have our own festivals, and you know we 're not going to do christmas we 're not going to do Easter we 're not going to do you know any festivals of other religions and is this considered considering that the people who founded this holiday were Christian, is this considered a Christian holiday? very good question and Rabbi Moshe Feinstein ruled that not only is it permissible, but that is a good thing. And and it should be celebrated by Jews because the United States of America has been the greatest uh, home for the Jewish people in our wandering and exile. The Jews have been persecuted virtually everywhere we've been. Even if life has been good for a while, like in Spain, it ended badly. And that's the way it was also in Eastern Europe. And he talked about how the American, uh american society and the american government he refers to it as a kingdom of kindness malchut he calls it calls it a kingdom of kindness and he says that jews more than anyone have to be grateful for the united states of america because of the freedom that it gave us and the ability to prosper in exile like no other exile in the entire 2000 years since the destruction of the temple so therefore i think there's a particular uh focus for jews but to to go back to what you were asking this is exactly the point. We're supposed to focus on, the, on our gratitude for the bounty and the blessing of the United States of America. I'll take it even further. I believe, Jonathan, that you and I who live in Israel should still be celebrating Thanksgiving and not because we're originally American.
0: This is profound. This is really significant. If Thanksgiving
1: is a holiday, is a day to thank the Lord, to thank God for the United States of America, I would It would be very difficult to make an argument that every Jew living in Israel does not benefit and has not benefited throughout our history by the very existence and the strength of the United States of America. No one more than Israelis outside of the United States should be thanking God for the existence and the prosperity of the United States of America more than us. So I think that we should be celebrating Thanksgiving. Absolutely.
0: I love that. Uh, I, I, I really do. That's very... Um... That's very significant. Uh, I, I get asked frequently by friends in America how we observe and, and typically typically we and a lot of Jewish families here because Thanksgiving's on a Thursday um, and we have Shabbat on Friday. So And it's not a national holiday
1: so you can't exactly take off work. And right you there. don't
0: take off work although Thursdays it's the end of the work week here. Friday we have Shabbat anyway. So what we do as a family, which is more cultural, but it's, but, but I love how, something you just reminded me is that typically the Friday of Thanksgiving, the, the, the weekend is one of the weekends that all my kids come home because we do a, we do a turkey. And that's something that the kids totally. look forward to. And even if we're not being thankful for, and it's very provocative, what you said, if we're not being thankful for the United States, either what it gave our relatives who uh who came there my father who was born in Israel who came to the US as an immigrant and succeeded and allowed me the foundation to come back to Israel but even if we're not being thankful for that I'm so abundantly thankful just for that occasional Shabbat when I have all my six kids <laughs> in the house together and the grandchildren what a what a blessing that is um so l- 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 it's great I'm glad you said that that's provocative and Jews need to hear that as well let's pivot a little bit to Jewish holidays you mentioned Passover um, and, and people joke about our holidays, maybe it 's our own internal joke uh, with the line that they they tried to kill us, we won let 's eat and that and, and in most cases there's there 's something something to that in our holidays, but there 's also an element of Thanksgiving in all of the holidays. How does that play out? well it, when you say play
1: out it i mean it it definitely is expressed in our liturgy the The main addition to the liturgy on festivals, on Jewish holidays, whether it's Passover or or, or Tabernacle Sukkot or, or Hanukkah, whatever the holiday is, the main and most striking addition to the liturgy is the recitation of the Hallel the, at Psalms 113 through 118. That's, uh, you know, that's your
0: book. A shameless, shameless plug. For shameless your book, plug. But...
1: People listening to the podcast, <laughs> I wrote a book, a line-by-line devotional commentary on these Psalms, Psalms 113 through 118, which are called by Jews, Hallel, which means praise. Yes. Um, and the while they're called Hallel, praise, because the word praise, which is, that's the root, if you notice, of the word Hallelujah. The first two syllables of Hallelujah is Hallel. Uh, and that's because Hallelujah is actually a compound word. It's two words. It means praise, second person, plural, you, plural. There's no word there's no plural word for you in English unless you're from the South, in which case, y'all is the plural of you.
0: <laughs> That's also so, y'all... That's also used in the singular in in, in the South.
1: Yeah. Well, and th- yeah, I once I was once a rabbi in Virginia for a couple of years. Early in my career, I spent a couple of years there working as a as a rabbi in Newport News, Virginia, and I learned to say y'all. And uh and I said, you know, I said, I, I love the word y'all. And then there was someone uh in my synagogue who had moved from uh from West Virginia and said to me, Well, we have a better word we say you yuan's <laughs> <laughs> anyway the so hallelujah means you praise mean, meaning calling you on everyone to praise us. god the royal what's youth. interesting is that that word praise is a running fra- is a running word it it appears over and over again in the first 5 of those 6 psalms in the 6th and final psalm of those 6 psalms of hallel the word praise does not appear but the word that appears over and over again in that psalm is hodu, which means give thanks, meaning there's a shift from praise to thanks. The, 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 the pinnacle, the, the, the climax, as it were, the, uh, uh, of the entire psalms of praise, it reaches its peak in giving thanks. And let me drill down on that a little bit because this, this relates directly to what the holidays are all about. What's the difference between praise and thanks? Well, praise. If you just think about it a little bit, I'm, I'm not. This is nothing based on any ancient tradition. It's just thinking about the two words. I can praise something even if it has nothing to do with me. Meaning I, I. There's a great piece of music, and I say, "Wow, that's an incredible piece of music. It's so beautiful. It's so, you know." And and that I'm not, I'm not personalizing it by praising it. I'm pointing out greatness and And uh, I'm saying something positive about it, obviously, I'm not just you know i'm you know I'm exalting it, I'm praising it, I'm telling others about it. But when I say thank you, Jonathan, if I thank you for something, there's an implication that there was some effect on me in fact if if you said something, let's say you were talking to someone and I overheard your conversation, and you said something really brilliant, and when the conversation was over. I said to you, wow, that was really smart what you said there. Okay, that's praise. But if I said to you, Jonathan, thank you for saying that. You might look at me quizzically and say, like, what do you mean? Because implied in my saying thank you is that something that you said had an impact on me beyond just the fact that I witnessed it. And that's the difference between praise and thanks. In I'll put it another way. Thanks is much more intimate. When I say when I praise God, I'm not necessarily describing anything that God did for me. But when I thank God, what I'm saying is that the, that which I'm praising you for had a direct impact on my life. And that's why thanks is in order. It's, it's an expression of gratitude. So thanks is actually kind of a higher level. It's a more personalized, more intimate level right. of praise. Beautiful.
0: So, I hope that people listening will take that into their own celebration and observance of Thanksgiving this week.
1: Oh, for sure. I, and I think that that's, you know, if we could take a lesson from the Passover Seder, where we sit around, and we have a wonderful meal. But the conversation in a very orderly manner is about the exodus from Egypt. And we even say at the Passover Seder, we there's a paragraph that we say that you're, you know, I'm sure, again, you you know, you and I know this stuff by heart, that in every generation... Each and every one of us is obligated to see ourselves as though we ourselves left Egypt. Now, what am I doing when I say that? What I'm doing is I'm, I am making sure that I don't fall into the mistake of praising God for the Exodus. I want to make sure that I thank God for the Exodus. Because, nice. again, thanks is personal. So I have to personalize things in order to thank God. Um, and, again, so, the, again, shameless plug for my book. If you, if you buy my book, go to Amazon Cup of Salvation. And you'll see that, that there's a narrative, so to speak, in the poetry of those six Psalms that leads us from praise to this higher level, this more personal level of thanks. So I think that what, you know, if we could take something into our Thanksgiving uh, celebrations, what people should really do, and it's a simple thing to do, is sit around the table at Thanksgiving and just talk about how wonderful the blessing of the United States of America is, how grateful we are. And you can even tell people in advance, you don't want to drop it on them on the moment, but that they should prepare just a couple sentences about what they are grateful for about America.
0: Well, they can be uh, grateful about America, or by the way, if they're if they're privileged to be sitting around the table with a bunch of loved ones, they can also be thankful for one another and, and express that intimate, not just, yeah, well, it's nice to be together, but intimately what I'm grateful for you and how you Um, enrich my life Uh, when you have that personal opportunity and and for another conversation but too often we don't do that Um, that's true this is awesome let's rewind a little bit let's 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 uh step back a couple of thousand years um our our holidays are all uh, except for independence day where we also say halal we say uh, a a version of 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 halal yom hat's is really independence day um, which is a modern holiday here in Israel, and and that Jews and Christians celebrate around the world. Um, but other than that, all our holidays are pretty much biblically based and spelled out in the Bible. How are we? How we're meant to observe them with uh, rabbis um, uh, like Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, who you mentioned, and and others who have who who came generations before, helping us interpret in modern days what are the issues and how how we observe that but if we if we we rewind to biblical to to, to the bible itself and certainly the era in which jews lived here in israel with the temple which was the center of our worship how how can we talk can you give some great examples of how giving thanks has always been central to our existence
1: well it's interesting that you bring up the temple because the phrase uh the verse that appears n- a number of times in scripture, hodu ladonai Ki, tov ki leolam give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his kindness is eternal that that phrase actually, if you look at how that phrase appears wherever it appears in the Bible, and it's not just in psalms, most of the times that that phrase appears it is in psalms but it also appears in the book of jeremiah in the context I, th- I think it's jeremiah chapter 33 in the context of describing people who would come to the temple to bring a thanksgiving offering right meaning it was actually central to the temple and uh, that, that phrase, for his kindness is eternal, give thanks to the Lord for his kindness is eternal. Thanks was something that was done in the temple. Why is that significant that thanks was done in the temple? Because the temple is a place of gathering. Um, in the Thanksgiving offering, uh, the korban todah, which is laid out in the book of Leviticus, uh, you know, there's many different kinds of offerings. Just to give a brief overview, I know a lot of a, a lot of Christians I know when they read the Bible, they get to Leviticus, they're kind of you know their eyes glaze over and they kind of skip to the you know to the next right. good uh, story. Forward. But it's very important to learn about those offerings because we a, a lot of the the messages about how to worship God uh, are in the arcane details of those offerings. And the Thanksgiving offering is a very interesting offering because uh, there's a couple rules that don't seem to work together. One of them is that it had to be a big animal. Uh, people would generally bring a bull for a Thanksgiving offering. Now, if you think about how much meat is on a bull, I mean, just think about like a brisket that you're gonna make for your family, even if you're gonna have a few guests over and how big it is. Yeah. Now think about the size of a whole cow. Yeah. Okay, so there's a tremendous amount of food in a bull. Now, why is that important? Because a Thanksgiving offering, unlike a sin offering, or uh, a burnt offering other offerings a thanksgiving offering was eaten by the one who brought it now that doesn't sound so much like a sacrifice to a lot of people but it's a sacrifice but i eat it yes it was a sacrifice meaning it was it was uh, you know the blood was was uh, was uh, poured on the altar and parts of the animal the parts that were not eaten would be burnt up uh, would be burnt on the altar but the vast majority of the meat of that animal would be eaten by the person who brought it And it had to be eaten over the course of two days. That's how much time you had to eat it. Anything that's left after that had to be destroyed. You can't sell it. You can't save it. Now, how is a person going to eat that much meat in the span of of two days? Seems virtually impossible. Meaning until the second morning after bringing it. And it also calls for dozens of loaves of bread to be brought with the offering. Now, one person is obviously not going to. In fact, even ten people. Again, think about that brisket. Right. Think about that roast that you have. How much meat is there on a cow? You could feed dozens and dozens of people with a, you know, with a, a single offering. And that's exactly the point. A Thanksgiving offering was, which a person would bring according to, according to Jewish tradition, and according to, uh, according to. There's one psalm that indicates this as well. But a Thanksgiving offering was usually brought by someone who was healed from illness or who was in a dangerous situation. Uh, Maybe they were imprisoned and they got saved or something. They have some reason, some acute reason to thank God. But the truth is that a person could bring a Thanksgiving offering for other reasons as well. But there there were some situations if a person came out of the hospital and they were healed, they would be obligated to go to the temple and bring a Thanksgiving offering. But let's picture this. Now, what's the Bible telling us? The Bible doesn't say... Invite tons of your friends to join you in your meal. The Bible just says you got this massive animal you're bringing, you got tons of loaves of bread, and it's all got to be eaten in the span of two days. The only option that you have, really, in other words, if you play it out culturally, what actually happened is that when a person was bringing a Thanksgiving offering, if we cast it into today's terms, they would send out invitations to lots of people. They would calculate how many people. To invite with how much food they're going to have it could be eaten in jerusalem so they would book a hall right probably right near the temple or in the temple courtyard or probably probably uh, facilities for it and all these dozens of people would come and what would we talk what would the speeches at this event be about well it's kind of obvious mm-hmm. right the person would Thanks. get up and talk about why he's thanking god right and it would all be in the context of the temple so if you think about, you know, when you think about an offering, like I'm, I'm eating a juicy steak and that's a form of worship of God, the answer is that it is. And that's what all of our festivals are about. This brings us all the way back to what you said a few minutes ago about how our, our holidays are all, they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. When we eat in the context of thanking God, we're doing something very biblical. It was what God wants us to do is he wants those celebrations and that joy. Yeah that we have to be in the context of giving him thanks. And, and what happens is something remarkable. In the enjoyment of a juicy piece of meat and some bread in the shadow or in the courtyard of the temple with all of my friends hearing me talk about what God has done for me turns a joyous celebration of meat and bread into a form of worship of God. So that's the old tradition of thanksgiving. You know, that's the, you know, of bringing a thanksgiving offering. Well, so when we sit old, around the original, our table, the original before. Right. Before so, the I'm saying, so when you're sitting around your table and you're saying, earth. you know, pass the cranberry sauce and having some juicy, having some juicy turkey and having the pie and enjoying yourself and rejoicing. You're you as long as you are giving thanks to the Lord and it's clear to everyone that that's the context of what we're doing. What you do is you transform your physical experience of enjoying a hearty meal into a form of praise and worship and thanks to the lord that's a remarkable experience that we can have but we have to do it right and this is you know there's a jewish tradition that probably you heard in hebrew school when you were a kid and i heard when i was a kid that we're supposed to treat our tables as though they are an altar yes what's that supposed to mean you're supposed to what i'm supposed to burn things on them and you know like what it. but that's exactly what it means what it means is that if i If I enjoy these physical gifts and I do it in a context and in a way that gives honor to God, I'm actually praising Him as I enjoy his gifts and I'm thanking him that's that's the original tradition of Thanksgiving all the way from the book of Leviticus
0: right the original and it'd be interesting to know and study whatever uh early American texts there are to wonder if um if in creating that first thanksgiving meal, the pilgrims. Uh, who came over and giving thanks for the abundance that they had been blessed by had any direct sense of that actual tremendous biblical, I was going to say metaphor, but example. It's the model. Um, you, you, you can, you can, you can picture then, you can, pi- then biblically, you can picture then in early America and certainly around all of our Thanksgiving tables this week, the same metaphor of people unbuckling their belts because they've eaten a little too much, but if they've done so as you said properly, then it's then it's the, I think one main difference being is that we know that many people will will struggle with what recipes they can do with the leftovers from thanksgiving this year and 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 there are abundance of American TV uh news broadcasts that will give all kinds of leftover recipes what to do with the cranberries and the pumpkin pie and the <laughs> so 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 and I'm happy to engage in those um this is amazing let 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 me pivot you know we we share so much with our christian friends um you uh more than anyone else or or no less than anyone else are, are have your hand on the pulse of that and you bring in the 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 rabbinic um the rabbinic background what are some of the things that we share specifically with christians um vis-a-vis giving thanks and how can and, and inevitably because you and i know so many people christians who want to connect more with their Jewish roots of their faith, how can they implement some of what we kind of do on a regular basis in their own daily Thanksgiving, not specifically this week?
1: Well, um, I'll point out one small thing that I think that Christians uh, could take up. And I've brought it up to a number of my pastor friends. um, And that is in the Bible. We are commanded in the book of Deuteronomy to give thanks to God after we eat. The verse says, When you eat and you are satisfied, you bless the Lord your God. Right? That's the verse uh, in Deuteronomy. And, and it's pretty clear in the verse. You eat, you're satisfied, and then you you bless the lord your god you thank him for the food that you ate and i've i've asked many christians this question i say why do you 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 say a prayer you say grace before you eat correct and we do that too correct we say a very short prayer before we eat but then after you eat you don't you don't say anything and and in fact the biblical the biblical mandate in Deuteronomy right. the mandate is actually is to, to thank God after eating, right. not before it. So what a few of my scholarly Christian friends have pointed out to me is that in in the New Testament, we see Jesus blessing food before eating it. And I said, well, of course he did. He was, he was an observant Jew and we all bless food before we eat it. And the original, the first time we ever see anyone in the Bible blessing food before eating it is uh, is the prophet Samuel. In the book of Samuel, there's a scene where, where Saul is looking for his, his lost sheep and he's talking to these women and, and they point out to him that, you know, uh, where Samuel is, that there's, this, there's a public, uh, uh, actually a public sacrifice that's going to be consumed, that's going to be eaten, maybe it was a Thanksgiving sacrifice, and, he, and that he was going to say a blessing before eating the food. That's the first time we see someone blessing food before eating it. But the more, uh, you know, the more uh, original mandate from the Bible is to thank God after eating. Um, And I always argue to my Christian friends, even though you see in the New Testament, you see Jesus making a blessing before eating. I promise you, I guarantee you that he said a much longer thanks and and praise of God after he ate than he did before he ate because he was he was an observant Jew. Correct. So uh, I think that's one thing that Christians could do is just add that in, add that into your repertoire that after you eat, you say thank you to God. Uh, in addition to whatever grace you say beforehand, that you know, thanking God, like you know, having having that more on your mind, uh, and it's also a more biblical position to take. I think that's one simple example that uh you know that Christians that Christians could take on. Um and uh and again just just focusing on thanks with everything and with everyone will make you more grateful in general in life. I, I think that's 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 an underrated thing. There's a there's a line in the Talmud, an interesting line that says, uh, here's the quote. Although the wine belongs to the master, thanks is given to the one who serves it. In other oh, words, lovely. Right. In other words, if I go to a wedding, I'm sitting at the wedding and a waiter comes over and pours me wine. So I say, thank you to the waiter. Thank you for the wine. Now, so what's so profound about that? Of course, I thank I thank the waiter for pouring me the wine. What's, what's the point that Talmud is making? The point that Talmud is making is this. Obviously, you're going to thank the waiter because that's polite. We're all polite people. We're going to thank the waiter. The point that Talmud is making is that if very often in life, we come up with reasons or rationales to not thank people, or we're just not paying attention so we don't thank people. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm sitting at that wedding and I say, you know, why should I thank this waiter? It's not his wine. He doesn't own the wine. I don't need to thank him. He's just doing his job. He's getting paid. I don't need to thank him. Well, if I continue that line of thinking, I could say, well, why should I even thank the host of the wedding? He invited me to this wedding because I invited him to my kid's wedding. (laughs) And he also knows that I'm going to give a gift to his kid. And he's just you know and it's a business relationship he knows me he knows that it, you know it's in his best interest to he could not invite me i i you know there's all we could come up you know or let's say um let's say you know uh uh you know say well, well why should i thank my wife for making me dinner you know i work hard all day you know she's doing her part i'm doing my part why should i thank her well, we could have all kinds of rationales to not thank people if we start making these calculations so what the talmud is basically saying is no 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 you thank everybody Everyone who has a role, you thank. And by expressing thanks, and amazing things happens to us psychologically. When we start expressing thanks to everyone, like thank, you know, you get out of a cab, thank the cab driver. You get off a bus, thank the bus driver. You know, you're taking the shuttle in the airport from the rental car place to the terminal. Thank the guy. Yeah. People just, you know, you grab your bag and you run off. If we make a point of saying thank you to everyone we meet, we're going to see that it opens up a spiritual side of our vision. We start recognizing all the good that people are doing all around us, um, and and it makes us into better people as well.
0: I was just going to say that it makes us into better people, and I believe, respectively, Jews and Christians or or people uh, people of faith, to be able to understand that that's not just a good person thing, but in in fact a biblically a biblical injunction. Uh, I think that's beautiful um i i i actually was going to ask you a question and then you sort of set it up talking about one specific example that christians could adapt in terms of saying uh saying thanks after the meals and i'm going to uh, invite anyone who wants to um be in touch i'll i'll provide a english copy of what we do what we say that they can use or 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 adapt um and people can be in touch at at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com but that kind of leads into uh, maybe the last topic but it but we 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 sometimes Jews and Christians get tripped up on uh, on one another and there's some people who are Jews and Christians who find that it's inappropriate that we share customs even though we even though our, our bible is 80% of a christian bible and and we share that common tradition what do you think about specifically what i just offered to to ha- invite people to 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 At your suggestion, adapt the, 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 the concept of being thankfulness. You didn't say specifically the, the, the verbiage that we use, but I'm offering that. And, and should there be, should there be boundaries? There should be boundaries, but, but, but as far as Christians adopting Jewish customs, Jewish understandings that might enrich their own faith. Did I just cross a line? Do you think? Or, or, I, or, think so. or is- I
1: mean, look, I, I don't believe you're crossing the line. I think there's a lot of people who would think you're crossing a line, but if you, if you press them on it, and try to seek what's actually bothering them, uh, I don't think that they're well grounded theologically. I think it's basically um, an emotional issue, uh, and uh, or it's grounded in some sort of uh, feeling of being threatened by other people's identities uh, th- that they threaten mine. Uh, and that's something that we see a lot more from the Jewish side than from the Christian side, although you have you do have Christians who are who who when Christians start doing things that they've that they've borrowed or learned from Jewish tradition, they see it as Judaizing and they and and they get criticized. I have Christian friends who have started doing things like like having a Friday night dinner together, right. uh, you know, and, and you know, with the family where everyone turns off their cell phones and just for doing that, they'll get criticized by other Christians for becoming You know, to Judaize, and and where that's coming from is a sense of of religious identity, and I use the term religious very, uh, you know, I'm choosing that word very, um, very specifically. Uh, God didn't create religion. God revealed His will in the Bible, and you know, and in His will that He revealed in the Bible. All are welcome to participate. Let me explain what I mean by all are welcome to participate. It's a well-known dictum among Jews, uh, you know, it comes from the Talmud, that the Sabbath is only for the Jewish people. That Christian, you know, that non-Jews are not supposed to celebrate the Sabbath. But a lot of Jews misunderstand that; and they don't really know their own texts. Maimonides, the greatest of all legal scholars, you know, in the post Second Temple period of the last two thousand years, and you would confirm that that's not an exaggeration whatsoever, and it's not an opinion. He is the most prominent of all Jewish legal authorities. Of the last 2000 years, Maimonides himself writes that uh, that people who are not Jewish are more than welcome to observe the Sabbath if they so desire, as long as long as they know that they're doing it out of choice and not out of obligation. Whereas the Jews are obligated. That's the difference. But we shouldn't be afraid of these things because biblically we are supposed to ultimately be worshiping God together. When Zephaniah talks about uh, in Zephaniah uh, chapter three, verse nine, let me get that verse up here. If you don't mind me just taking a second, I want to quote it properly. Let me just get it here Zephaniah 3 9. For then I will restore a pure language. It says lips, but Safa really means language. It also means lips. I will purify the language of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder, that's, to shoulder, that's shoulder to shoulder—that servant, shoulder to shoulder—which is which is the name. Another shameless plug. It's the name of my podcast. Yeah. But that's why we chose it because of that verse. And really, in that verse, the shoulder to shoulder—really, <coughs> the Hebrew is actually even more powerful. The Hebrew there is shchem achad. Shem means shoulder. Achad means one. So it re- actually doesn't say shoulder to shoulder. It says something much e- even even more powerful. It says yes. the servant him as one shoulder. Correct. That, now, but but let's think about the whole verse now. So some people interpret that verse, oh, it's cooperation. No, 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 no. This is talking about calling on the name of the Lord and worshiping Him together. Now, Judaism does not seek converts. Nowhere in the Bible is there a vision of the future where all the nations become members of the people of Israel and are, and are full Jews. That's we are the king we define ourselves as a kingdom of priests. That means that we have some sort of priestly mission to enrich the world spiritually. And uh, hopefully we've done some of that. We spent a lot of years, you know, escaping persecution and trying to just keep, uh, you know, keep our heads down and circle the wagons to survive. So I think the Jewish people as a people culturally have forgotten about that mission. That's a separate topic that we could talk about some other time. But the, the biblical vision, whether it's this verse or it's Isaiah referring to our temple in Jerusalem as a house of prayer. For all nations, that doesn't mean that there's a separate room for the non-Jews and a separate room for the Jews. It means that and I say this when I speak in synagogues about my work I speak to Jews about Jewish Christian relations, I'll say to them. If you're praying for and and anticipating a time when you can go to the temple in Jerusalem, when it's rebuilt and worship God in the temple, are you ready for the fact that you're probably going to be outnumbered by those who are not Jewish, who are also there to worship God. And, it, and if you're not comfortable with that, then you have a problem with Isaiah. So I, I don't have any problem with Jews and Christians praising God together, even worshiping together, as long as the situation and what's being said and what's being done doesn't compromise anybody. I'll give you an example yes. from my own life. Um, over the years, we haven't done it in a few years, but the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding and Cooperation has hosted as you well know we've hosted worship services where we sing the praises of god and we and we recite we actually recite the entire six psalms of hallel on israel's independence day and on the feast of tabernacles jews and christians together and there's and there's a lot of people in the jewish community including one former chief rabbi of israel who 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 freaked out and they got and they started criticizing us but there was no real grounding to the criticism because what are we doing we're reading biblical passages of praise to god for something that everyone present whether they're jewish or not equally values and equally is praising god for and you don't think that in the, that in 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 the temple of the future we're all going to be singing the praises of god together especially where, within those psalms is psalm 117 which describes the nations of the world praising god for 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 what he's done for israel so i I don't I think that being uncomfortable with that with these with these situations of joint praise of God or joint worship is is an artifact of our long history of separation and of the way we have compartmentalized our identities around that and and really looking towards the future, we should feel more comfortable with it and not necessarily we don't have to be afraid that we're gonna lose our own identity. If we sing the praises of God side by side with our Christian brothers and sisters.
0: No, the opposite. I think, and in, in, in the sort of wrapping up, in the context of of building bridges that you do and and, and I do, and this and this specific podcast uh, tries to to uh, do in every way but by by finding ways that we have in common that we can share and, and grow and understand one another better together. I think that that's um, real important um before before i say thank you officially uh <laughs> um uh rabbi Willicki, you have your own podcast um shoulder to shoulder right let me just say follow yeah, you so and it's and- called
1: shoulder to shoulder it's available on all podcast pa- platforms and it's myself and uh and my good friend pastor doug reed who's from youngstown ohio and every week we we discuss some issue that is of shared concern uh, to people of faith. It could be a political issue, it could be a spiritual, a theological issue, or a, or a cultural issue. We just recorded one about how to strengthen uh, our families at home and how to strengthen the role of parents in our children's Great. lives in the modern world. That's what we discussed yeah. this past week. You can find it on any podcast platform. Please uh, check it out.
0: Good, terrific, um, Rabbi Willicky, always oh, a delight. Uh, personally. Okay um as, as far as the insight that you that you've provided today um and i pray that n- not just this week this week is where at least across america people are, are are celebrating thanksgiving together i i i don't hope i believe that you've given some great uh f- pun intended food for thought that uh that people can enhance their own uh celebration giving thanks for, to God and all of the blessings um, that they have. And, and whether people listen to the podcast this week, as I've suggested, running away from the creepy uncle, or, or just um, or, or, or two months later, whenever people will be listening, um, this is kind of timeless, which is why I'm glad we spoke about how giving thanks is um, really in everything, in every day, and everything that we do. I'm grateful um, for that insight.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Let me enjoy spending time with you, Jonathan.
0: Always, always. Let me also take some time. It's great in this context, but we always do at the close of the of each episode to give thanks for our sponsors, um, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, certainly, anyone who's in the area of Culpeper, Virginia, needs something from a greenhouse. Go there and get it. But even if you're not, uh, you don't need something from a greenhouse, but you're in the area. Or just happen to see Willow uh Culpepper, Virginia on a map and want to do something really nice. Now, all the more so. Go there and say thank you. Thank you for sponsoring uh, the Inspiration from Zion um, podcast and, and and making the and giving the possibility for these conversations. Um, and give them a hug. And also thank you to the Coin family for their meaningful sponsorship. Uh, Inspiration from Zion, like all the Genesis 1, 2, 3 Foundation programs, are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges by making your own donation. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or, in honor or a memory of a loved one or a special occasion in your life, uh, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion.gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Always as part of a dialogue, it's this, this, we want this to be interactive and invite you to send any comments, questions uh, you have Especially questions that you have about Judaism for programs like this, for segments like this um, are asked. The rabbi segments. Please share this with others who you'll find it, uh, who will find it of interest, and continue to join us right here as we bring a, bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics related to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, and especially this week, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy. and and enjoying the blessings and giving thanks for the blessings that you have. And I'm sending my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. Thank you and God bless you.